We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. And here we go. Welcome back to another audio adventure here on Insight. I'm Chris Van Vliet. Thank you so much for coming back each and every week in a sea of podcasts that are out there. And if this happens to be your first time here, welcome. I appreciate you stopping by. If you haven't yet, take a second to click subscribe or follow wherever you happen to be listening to this. And snap a screenshot. Let us know that you're on this ride with us. Tag me on social media. I'm at Chris Van Vliet. Tag Big Cass. He is at the Kaz. That's C A Z X L. And this, my friends, this is a rare in-person interview. Oh, we don't get a lot of these these days. In fact, this is a classic in-person hotel room interview that, if you subscribe to my YouTube channel, you were so used to seeing before COVID. But this is the first in-person hotel room interview that we've done in wow, in well over a year. Sammy Callahan was the last one right before COVID hit. So we did this one last weekend at WrestleCon in Tampa. And a lot of you guys who listen to the show were there. It was so awesome meeting with you and chatting with you. Ah, I, I hope this is a sign of things to come, that we can do more in-person stuff as we continue on into 2021. There's a lot in this conversation, and we get deep. Cass opens up about everything. He's super open. He's super honest. Talks about his battle with alcohol addiction, the very public seizure that he had, being fired from WWE, his recovery, and how he's now a completely different person than the last time we saw him on TV. And if you haven't seen the photos when he made his return in an indie show in February, he looks incredible. He's in the best shape of his life right now. And I can't wait to see what's next for him. Big thank you to Alex Hunt 1000 for this review on Apple Podcasts. Also, Alex is the guy, if you've been to my website, chrisfanfleet.com, Alex is the guy who does some amazing writing on there and the recaps of these interviews. So Alex, thank you for the review and thank you for all the hard work you do on chrisfanfleet.com. This review says the best wrestling interviewer of the 21st century. Chris is a breath of fresh air in the wrestling world. He has a great mix of nostalgia and current day talent that appeals to a wide audience. With every episode, I learn something new, and it inspires me to be a better person. Cheers from England, Chris. Keep crushing it. Well, cheers to you, sir. I appreciate you. appreciate the review. And I'll continue reading one out on every single episode for the next month or so. And then I guess that's it. Uh, we're looking to get to 2,000 reviews before my birthday, which is May 19th. And I think we did, the, I don't know, there's like 170 to go. So it's a lot, but just please keep those coming. And I know we can do it. Vague goals give vague results, right? My guest today is an inspiration and has one heck of a story. Please welcome Kaz XL, a.k.a. Big Kaz. 
You look good, man. Thank you very much. You look really good. You look good. You look fantastic. Oh, wow. What is this turning into? I don't know, man. <laughs> Putting each other over right now. <laughs> it's so good to see you. Oh, thank you very much. And good to see you back in a wrestling ring as well. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, it's been a eight. It was, took about 18 months off. Yeah. But uh, it was a long journey back. I had to take care of some other things first, but I wanted to get back into wrestling. It was my first love. And uh, here I am. How does it feel being back? feels amazing. You know, there was a point in time there when I... I thought, I don't want to go back to wrestling. Uh, I almost hated it or resented it so bad. And, uh, man, about four months ago, I woke up and I was like, I realized that that was the first thing I fell in love with, man. I was mm. like, you want to do what you love in life. You want to do what you're passionate about or, you know, you're not going to be happy. And uh, so I was like, I am passionate about wrestling. I have to admit that first. <laughs> uh, and then I started my journey back to, to getting in the ring. So where did that journey into getting back into the ring, where did that begin? Man, it started with little things like listening to something to wrestle with or listening to some wrestling podcasts. Mm -hmm. And because I hadn't done that in like well over a year. So I started with that. Then I was watching old WWE pay-per-views. And then I started watching some old Ring of Honor stuff. Uh, and uh, eventually it was kind of consumed me a little bit. Uh, the gym was always a big part of my recovery because it helps me mentally. But um yeah, when I decided to go back to wrestling, I got really serious. I was doing two-a-days, uh, cardio in the morning, and then I'd lift later in the day and uh, dieting like crazy. And um, yeah, because if I'm going to come back, I'm going to come back in the best shape of my life. And you are. I mean, you're in phenomenal shape. Appreciate it, yeah. Yeah, you look great. Thank you. Yeah. So up until before four months ago, were you completely done with wrestling? Yeah, I think so. I was really? kind of just looking. I was thinking about going back to school to get my degree, uh, master's degree in social work because I'm, I'm very passionate about recovery and I want to help people. And uh, that was an option to go back and get my master's degree in social work so that I can help other addicts and help people in recovery. Um, yeah, and I was I was kind of just looking at different different paths in my life. And yeah, I, I, I told myself I wasn't going to go back to wrestling. And um mm. Yeah, here I am. I just, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, I guess it was resentment or just I really hated it, like I said, for a little while. And uh, I didn't want to do anything, have anywhere near it. Well, the thing is, it didn't end on your terms. And now it can. Yeah. It now did. it can begin and end on your terms. Yeah, and it, it didn't end on my terms. And I guess um, I make excuses like... Uh, you know, you, you blame everybody else but yourself, especially before you get into recovery. And um, yeah, I don't. I didn't want to associate with old friends. I didn't want to associate with old coworkers. I didn't want anything to do with wrestling. Yeah. And, um, yeah. I guess you just say it was just chalked it up to a, a resentment, and then reality hit, and I was like, nah, I really love this. Like, yeah. I want to go back. Did you expect the response that you got after you debuted or redebuted? <laughs> no, I didn't. I. I was speaking to Gallows and he reached out and um, he he told me to come to his house in December, I believe it was. And I went to his house and he saw how good I was doing, how healthy it was and how positive I was. And um, he said, let me get you on a show. So then we, I believe he booked me on the February show, but the whole week or even two weeks uh, prior and even the day of, I was super nervous. Like, what if people don't pop? I said, what if, what if people don't react? Yeah. And he just kept saying, just trust me, man. They're, they're going to react. And I said, I don't know, man. It's been a long time. And he said, just, just trust me. So take me behind the curtain that night. Your music's about to hit. You know what's going to happen. Yeah. You don't know what the reaction's going to be. So what's going through your mind at that point? Super nervous. Uh, what I did in the match was, was pretty easy. So we kept it that way on purpose. So I wasn't nervous about that. I was nervous about the reaction. I was, are people going to cheer? Are they going to boo? Which is better than just being indifferent. But the biggest yeah. one, I was like, if they just don't even recognize me and they're like, who's this guy? That would have been awful. Obviously, that's not going to be the case, though. Right. You weren't gone that long. Yeah, I wasn't gone that long. And I think, especially wrestlers, we get a little self-conscious sometimes. And um, yeah, I guess I, you know, in my head, you know, made it seem worse than it was and longer than it was. But yeah, now you say that, like looking back, it really wasn't that long of a time. I mean, it probably felt like an eternity for you. It did, yeah. Because the last time I wrestled, I was in such a, I was a different person the last time I even stepped inside of a wrestling ring and so unhealthy mentally and physically. And it just seemed like 
I had gone through so much to get to where I was. Yeah, it seemed like an eternity ago. Where were you at mentally the last time we saw you in a ring? Doing what I did best, pretending that I was happy and pretending that uh, I was doing real well and being positive and putting on a mask all day, and especially in front of the boys and pretending that I was doing great when I wasn't. I was really struggling on the inside, and that's something that I used to do real well. It was uh, pretend that I was doing great and be positive, and, but man, I was not. It was very dark on the inside. Did you know at that point that you had a problem? Um, I knew a lot of people would tell me I had a problem, um, but I think I was so delusional, even after I had that, that first seizure in Philadelphia on a, at the House of Hardcore show, yeah. I still didn't think I had a problem. Like the next day I thought, yeah, you have a problem. And then two days later, I was like, no, you could drink again. And um, I guess, yeah, I guess it just after that, the rest of that year and then, you know, all the incidents that happened. And then finally, when I, I went to rehab is when I finally admitted, like, you have a serious problem. Was it you that went, okay, I need to go to rehab? Or was it people around you? It was people around me. And um, that was the reason why the rehab didn't work the first time. Because when you're doing it to appease other people and make them happy and make them see you in a more positive light, um, that is just not the right intention. It's going into it for the wrong reasons. Now, a lot of people do go in for the wrong reasons and stay for the correct ones. I unfortunately wasn't one of those people. So right. I went in for the wrong reasons. And uh, I relapsed pretty immediately after I got out of rehab. I rehab the first time. Like how quickly are we talking? Hours. Wow. Yeah. It was this a conscious thing where you're like, I know I shouldn't be doing this. Oh yeah, yeah. But I'm gonna do it anyway. Yeah, it's uh, man, it's it's kind of a you. I got myself. I conditioned my brain to alcohol to such a point. Was mentally obsessed with with it. So even when I was in rehab and I'd pass a liquor store or something, I'd immediately, my brain would like light up, mm. and it would probably I don't know what the chemical, maybe dopamine or serotonin, something would shoot off, you know, in my brain yeah. just seeing the liquor store. So um, deep down, I knew I was not going to stay sober. I pretended like I was, and I lied to myself like, yeah, you're going to really do this. No, I deep, deep down, I knew that I was not going to the first time. And then where did you think your path was going to lead you to from there? I thought I was, huh, was going to be able to do what I was always doing, which is uh, pretending at the right times and you know, suffering in silence on my own and, and fooling people into thinking I was doing great. But you can only fool people for so long because yeah. the problem is you're fooling yourself. So I was really just lying to myself, fooling myself all the time. And um, I thought I was going to be able to pull this off the rest of my life. Wow. Yeah. When we look back at that video of the seizure, the infamous video. Yeah. Have you watched it? No. Would you watch it? Uh, nah, in the right frame of mind. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Um, Do you remember that night? I remember a little bit of that. I remember doing the signing. I remember uh, I went to lunch with Gangrel. Um, I remember talking with Bubba and Tommy in the locker room and going over my promo with, with, with Tommy Dreamer and really being into it. And, and then, um, I was supposed to be on right after intermission. So, but I had to go sign at intermission. So I remember putting my water bottle, which I would just dump on my head and yeah. my comb, uh, right by the table, the gorilla table or whatever, the curtain in, in that arena. And, uh, that's the last thing I remember. Cause right after that, I must've walked out through the to the merch table. I don't remember anything except being loaded into an ambulance. What? That's the next thing you remember? Yeah. Wow. And then you're in the hospital, and then what are they telling you? Uh, I did what I did best, man. I lied. Wow. Uh, yeah. I tried to come up with some uh, bullshit. I don't know if we can use profanity. Sure, it's the yeah, internet, some, yeah. Yes. Some bullshit to the hospital about uh, maybe I'm dehydrated, I haven't been sleeping enough, it was exhaustion. Um, but I, I knew it was alcohol withdrawal and I was too embarrassed to admit that to anybody. Uh, so I just, yeah, it was some, something else, but, uh, there are a few, <clears throat> there are a few of the boys there that night, uh, that I, I'm not going to mention that texted me the next day and they said, Hey man, uh, uh, you had a huge bottle of liquor in your bag and you weren't drinking that entire day. Like I think it was alcohol withdrawal. So some people mm. knew, but I was super embarrassed. So basically, you left the hospital, and then you needed to drink again. Uh, yeah. 
It was, and was this a daily thing for you? Every day, sun up to sundown. No way. Sun up to sundown. And does this date as far back as your time in WWE? No. I think uh, when I was with WWE, I had responsibility. Sure. Yeah. I had to get on a plane every Saturday and do house shows and then do TV. Once that responsibility went away, um, I had an apartment to live in. I had money in the bank. I had a car. I had everything I needed. Yeah. Um, I had no motivation to do anything. Yeah. So I just drank all day. That was after your WWE release? Yeah. So was would, would that be the catalyst for what started this? I think I had a problem way before. Yeah. But uh, I mean, everybody has a relationship with alcohol. Yeah. Some people are just, you know, able to have a few drinks and then that's it for their night. Yeah. I think, I think I, sh yeah, I think that that, def it just put, it gave me the opportunity, it gave me the, the unfortunate opportunity to, to live with no responsibilities, which is a horrible thing for an addict. Yeah. Yeah. So what was the, when, I mean, obviously you were drinking during your time in WWE. Mm -hmm. When did it start to go downhill? Probably like 2017. Okay. Yeah. It was, uh, again, you you're wearing a mask, you're hiding and you're making everybody think, you know, you drink in your room and you make sure nobody sees you. And, yeah. Um, yeah, about in 2017. And it, there was just so many things like going on mentally, and I was uh, really struggling, and I didn't want to say anything because it's it's not, it shouldn't be embarrassing, but I was embarrassed and humiliated. Yeah. And uh, I guess there's a stigma around mental health, which is, you know, toughen up, uh, especially, you know, just especially in, you know, athletics or, or wrestling or any kind of tough person business. It was, you know, so you just tell yourself, oh, just tough enough. But, toughen up but that's that's the wrong way to go about things but i'd also have to think you're at the top of your career at that point like things are going really really well for you in wwe yeah you don't want that to be taken away from you either so i think maybe you're thinking if i tell someone i have a problem all of this gets taken away yeah which is an unreasonable thing because people understand and but you yeah i guess you don't want to say anything your career uh, your personal life uh, and you love putting out that image, even to those closest to you, that you're you're fine. Yeah. And you don't want to be weak. So, um, yeah, you're just you're playing a part all day when you're around people. Yeah. It's an, it's an act. Yeah. Did you know that a WWE release would be imminent? Yeah, I had a feeling. Uh, I was really acting out and uh, really making a lot of mistakes in fairly short amount of time, and. Um, I definitely expected it, that's for sure. Like, you had a big match at the pay-per-view that weekend. Money, Money in the, the bank. bank. Yeah. Yeah, and then two days later, you're released. Mm -hmm. Without them wishing you well in your future endeavors, too. Yeah, I don't know what that was about. But mm. um, I do, you know, I remember the day that I was fired. It was a meeting with Vince, and we were, me and him and Carano were in there for quite a while, and we had a really good conversation. And uh, it was more of a conversation about, the performance was not even was maybe touched upon for a minute in terms of you know who big cast that whole conversation was mostly about william morrissey hmm. and uh yeah i mean i don't know why the future endeavors wasn't i don't know i don't look into that but uh, i got i thought it was you know when i, I thought we it was amicable when i left that building that day do you feel like the door is still open at wwe i do i think with time and uh, earning, you know, people's trust, you know, just as I earn my family's trust and friends trust, you know, it's people have to see you doing well over a certain period of time to when they say, Oh, this isn't the act. It's, it's, it's a new person. I'd have to think it begins with winning the fans over. Yeah, for sure. And that has started. Yeah. And I, like I said, I wasn't even sure that that was going to be the case. And I was so, um, blown away at there, the positive response that it got on, social media. And, uh, I guess I, I really shouldn't have been surprised because, um, when I first went into rehab, uh, Dallas, uh, had people who said fans can send fan mail and supportive mail to the DDP Y performance center. Yeah. And, uh, they would, he would ship them down to me, uh, to Tampa while I was in rehab and they just kept coming. And I had so many envelopes filled with fan mail. Wow. Just people really supportive, man. And uh, I will look back at that stuff now, like, and just it really, it uh, it really brightens my spirits because people were behind me even from that that get-go. 
But like I said, self-conscious business, you, you think they're not going to remember me. But that, I should have just always went back to those those letters that people wrote me because there was so many of them and I opened them and I still go back and read them. If I ever, you know, you know, feel down on a certain yeah. day, I'll go back and read some of them. Is there any specific letter or any specific line from any of them that stand out and makes you go, oh my God, maybe brings tears to your eyes? Not that I could think of one specific line, but there's just a lot of love. So and so many people relating, either themselves or a family member, and saying this happened, or uh, they could relate to the situation. And that's in that situation, I guess that's something you really need is someone to relate to you. You need to feel like you're not alone, yeah, uh, not an outcast, and you need to feel like okay, there's people out there who are suffering just like me. Well, and I appreciate you opening up about this. Because yeah. everybody deals with this on some sort of level, and they certainly know somebody who's dealing with it. Yeah, and I think uh, opening up took a huge weight off of me. But also, I think um, just my point of view is my opinion. Um, if I'm not talking about it, who am I helping? Yeah. If I'm going through this and I'm and I'm gaining, you know, all this positive from you know other people and and getting their advice. If I'm not talking about it and who am I helping? Because yeah. if nobody knows and no one can relate and say, oh, wow, like he's going through that or, wow, I'm, I'm going through the same thing, which still a lot of people wrote about in the letters. And without me, I don't know, I felt like it was a little bit selfish for me to keep that to myself. Yeah. Uh, as crazy as that sounds, because it is my personal life. But um, yeah, I just wanted people to, to be able to relate to me. You probably have people coming up to you every day mm -hmm. going, Man, I'm five years sober, ten years sober, fifteen years sober, whatever it happens to be. Yeah, like you had a giant line at WrestleCon today and yesterday. Yeah, I imagine there was a bunch of people in that line telling you that same thing. Yeah, there's a, there's there's a bunch of people. There's one guy that I was there yesterday. He's ten years sober, and it's uh, there's so many people that you know you don't realize it, but they'll come up to you and then they'll say like, yeah. "Appreciate what you're doing. Like, I'm proud of you." And you know, I'm X amount of years sober and stuff like that. So if you weren't ready for recovery the first time, because other people were, you know, asking you to do this, yeah. what made you ready for the time now? It became a matter of life and death. Wow. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, I had a few few more seizures after the the one in Philadelphia. After I went to rehab, I had a few more seizures These later These ones were on. in private? Yeah, they were. Family and my girlfriend and her family, it was awful um and uh it, it got to the point where i i knew it was i was gonna die it was it was just a matter of if i keep going down this path i was gonna die and um there was a point where maybe i didn't even care about that but for some reason call it divine inspiration at this point in time i did care and i was like you can't die like you cannot uh so uh you got to do something about this uh i could have easily given up but I don't know something in my some instinctual thing told me got to keep going and the hardest thing to do is to reach out for help. And who'd you reach out to? I reached out to the people in my sober network, people that I was in rehab with, my roommate from rehab, uh, people from my AA home group, um, and uh, people that are in my recovery network. And they immediately helped me out and. Mm -hmm. I got on a plane to come back to Tampa to go to go to rehab. And now Tampa's home for you. Tampa is home. Yeah. It was home for a while. Right. So, yeah. But you were with, living with Diamond Dallas Page for a while. I was with him for on and off for, for a few months. But uh, I uh, Tampa has been my home since 2017. But I was up in New Jersey and New York for a while also. I didn't know what I was. I, I had nothing. I was just all over the place, man. How much did Diamond Dallas Page help out in this journey you've been on? Well, he helped out a great deal. Uh, he, uh, you know, he was one of the first people to be to give me a platform and encourage me to to share what I was going through. Yeah. Uh, again, because if I didn't do that, then people can't relate to it. And um, I think that's you know that's that was a big first step. Was me, you know, admitting admitting I did. I think I admitted it in a promo, like backstage after I wrestled Moxley. But the video that DDPY put out really got the word out about what I was going through. Yeah. yeah. People think this is easy. Like people think it's just like check into a program and magically you're fixed. No, I, I, and people say things like, well, I don't understand why you just don't stop drinking. And I'm like, <laughs> I never thought of that. That's some brilliant stuff <laughs> right that there. Easy, That's that yeah. easy, prophetic, man. Like great, great life advice. I just stop. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, people do think it's just that easy. And uh, to be honest with you, I'm ashamed to say this, but there was a point in time many years ago where I thought the same thing, where I didn't think I had a problem. And I just thought, yeah, it's just that easy. That Why is that person struggling, you know? Yeah. So um, I, I understand why some people think that because I was one of those people many, many moons ago. What was the breakthrough moment for you in recovery? Breakthrough moment for me? Um finally admitting that maybe I don't know everything. Uh, admitting that I shouldn't be in control anymore. Uh, it's hard to give up control, um, but it's also hard for your ego to let you say you don't have all the answers. Yeah. And uh, boy, did I think I had them all for a very long time, and I thought I was fooling everybody, and I'm going to figure this all out by myself. Um, everybody else can do that program stuff and uh but i'm gonna do it my way and i I woke up one morning and i came to the realization there is no my way there's no option c in this thing yeah there's no door number three it's either you got to do what everybody else is doing reach out and ask them for help and do what they've done or suffer the really really horrible consequences there's no other game plan and in this case you're saying the horrible consequences would be not living anymore. It's 100, 100%. It's, it's, uh, Dude, that's so I, scary to think about. It is, I guess I say it so nonchalantly. Maybe, yeah. it's, maybe it's a little bit of insecurity and embarrassment, but it was to that, realistically, it was to that point where, um, uh, you know, I've, I talk to friends and family now, and, you know, they say if they got a phone call, um, try not to get emotional. If they got a phone call one morning that they, uh, they wouldn't have been surprised that, I passed away, man. So it, it got to that point. Yeah. But look where you're at now. Yeah, man. It's fucking crazy. Dude, I'm really proud of you. Thank you. I'm trying not to cry here too now. Jeez. It, man. No. And through Diamond Dallas Page, you've met your girlfriend, who's incredible. That's right, man. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's a hell of a gift. Uh, yeah. His his stepdaughter, Lexi Nair, she's uh she works with AEW now. Yeah. But yeah, I met her through Dallas and uh I don't know if people know you guys are together. I don't think they do. They do now. Kinda yeah, <laughs> kinda kept it quiet and I don't really love putting my personal life out there. But you know, I, you know, it's uh something that I've always tried to keep private. But yeah, I met her through Dallas. She was with me through almost this entire process. Yeah. Um she never gave up on me and uh I got you, man. Sorry, it's man. tough. It's super I, embarrassing, man. This is not embarrassing at all. You should be really, really proud of yourself. Yeah, she never gave up on me, man. She saw, um, she saw in me what I what I see now. Yeah. Um, because there are a long, there was a long time there where I didn't see it, uh, at all. So, um, what yeah. is it? What is it that she sees in you? That <clears throat> when I'm at my best and I'm sober. Uh, that I can help make people's lives around me better. I can bring joy to people's lives. Um, instead of doing what I was doing in the past, which was just bringing misery to it. Like, yeah. Helping others is uh, is something that now I know is my mission in life, to help other people. Even it's, if it's something as small as like opening the door for somebody at the grocery store. Yeah. You don't know what somebody's going through. Uh, they could have just been divorced. They could have a death in the family. And it could just take a walking down the street past someone. How's your morning going? It could really brighten someone's. Little, I start at the beginning of the day. I start that low, like it's something that simple. And um, yeah, she just saw that I was someone that could maybe help touch people's lives, and yeah. I sure as hell did not see that. Yeah, I, yeah. At, even with just something like this conversation here, yeah, you're touching so many people's lives. I hope. <laughs> no, you are. Yeah. Now that you're back in the ring, now that you're in incredible shape, what are the goals that you have? So for right now, man, I really like what I'm doing. I get to pick my schedule, uh, work the shows I want to work, uh, enjoy my time alone with my girlfriend. You know, Tampa's a great city. And yeah. uh, we have two French bulldogs. So, you know, spending a lot of time with her, doing our thing. Um, what are the dogs' names? So her, the dog she had before, Prior to meeting me, his name is Hudson. He's six, and then the we consider him my my dog, uh, the puppy. But it's our dog. Uh, he's nine months old. His name's Bam Bam, which is short for Bambino, which is a name that I always love because of Babe Ruth. 
and I tried to make it like a nickname of mine when I was wrestling. It didn't stick, but <laughs> yeah, Bam Bam, short for Bambino. Um, so yeah, like I, I like the life I'm living, but yeah, man, like I said, wrestling is my first love. So ultimately I want to get back to a big stage. Yeah. Cause I have a lot of things that I didn't accomplish in wrestling that I want to accomplish. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I've said this before, like Enzo and I, we had a good run and we were very memorable and I always want to be memorable. You know, being a champion uh, to me isn't worth as much as being super memorable. People always say, well, you never won championships. Well, we were super memorable. Yeah. I want to be memorable as a singles star now. Uh, you know, that's something that I want. That's a goal of mine. And that's a goal that I want to prove to myself that I can do it, you know, because yeah. there was a long time I didn't think I could anymore. And I, I do want I do want to prove that and, you know, also, you know, keep speaking out about my story and addiction and, and mental health and help help others, man, because that's the that's the goal in life that I've learned to recovery, man. I had, you know, I still do, but I, I, I had money and fame and all this stuff. And that don't amount to shit, man. Don't mean anything. I get so much joy to helping one person. Yeah. Uh, so that's the goal in life is to just help other people. Where has Enzo been these last few years for you? Oh, tremendous. I was staying with him in New Jersey for a while. He yeah. was, you know, a big part of getting me to finally go to rehab. Uh, man, there's so many things I won't touch. So many stories of where I was in a hotel room in this city or that city. Where, you know, I never came home from the road and, you know, he'd have to fly out to come get me and drive me back home so he's been tremendous man and he's been super supportive and uh he's super supportive of me getting back to, to wrestling whether it's with him or not he's like brother do your thing man yeah i want to see you rise and I, you don't have to get into it but i'm sure that you've put him through a lot for sure <laughs> i have put him through a lot man and uh but he's been there every step of the way so i have an undying loyalty to that human uh that uh I'm very happy to have, and I know I'm very blessed to have it because not many people ever experienced that kind of friendship. Yeah, well, I mean, what you guys had together in the ring and also out of the ring, the friendship that you have, I mean, yeah. just looking at you guys today, it's like, man, you guys love each other. Yeah. It's special, and that doesn't come around very often. Right. So whether you're back as a singles competitor with Enzo rooting you on behind the scenes or you guys are back as a tag team, you're back. Yeah, I am back, and I'm ready to accomplish a whole great deal of things and become a world champion somewhere and – you know, I guess my goal is to go somewhere and become top dog. Yeah, be the be the top guy in 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 that company, and that is my goal. That's my professional goal right now. And I honestly, I do truly believe that I can I can do it. Well, AEW wasn't a thing when you were last signed with WWE. Yeah, it's no. now a thing. Yeah. What do you think about the chances of going to AEW? I would love to go to AEW. Uh, I'd love to go back to WWE. Go to AEW. Go to Impact. Go to New Japan. Uh, Ring of Honor, <laughs> whenever, every yeah, yeah. whenever, the, whenever the time's right. For yeah, me. but um, yeah, Gallows and Anderson had some really nice things to say about you. About okay, about you and possibly going to AEW. Yeah, and uh, those conversations happen, and uh, with with them and other people, and it's something I, I would love to do. And um, we got to see when the timing's right. I one day at a time is the way I take it. Yeah, I don't want to look too far into the future and set a unrealistic goal. I have to be this or do that by a certain time, one day at a time. And if a phone call comes tonight, that's great. If it doesn't come for another three months, four months, a year, that's fine too. Yeah. But uh, I'm open to going anywhere to have fun and uh, make a name for myself. Look, no one's perfect. Even the best baseball players strike out with the bases loaded. The best golfers sometimes three-putt with the tournament on the line. So if you feel like you're coming up short in the bedroom, it's perfectly okay. But if it's bothering you, there are options. Go to GetRoman.com slash CVV now. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. A U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. And if medication is appropriate, it ships to you free with two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward and discreet. Getting started is super simple. Just go to GetRoman.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. EBV and complete an online visit. Take care of your ED without leaving your home. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash CVV now and you'll get $15 off your first month. Look, there's a straightforward way to take care of your ED. Go to GetRoman.com slash CVV. Get started now and you'll save $15 on your first month of treatment. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. Now, this isn't a crisis line. This isn't self-help. This is professional counseling done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room with traditional therapy ever again. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily. Visit betterhelp.com slash insight. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash insight and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. So the special offer for anybody listening to Insight right now is 10% off your first month. Just go to betterhelp.com slash insight. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash insight. Even though you look great, you seem to be in an incredible mental space now. I am, yeah. Do you worry that a promoter might look at you and go, man, this guy might be a liability? Yes, 100%. That's any job. I do I do think that. And it's unfortunate, but it's also realistic. Um, that's what the track record states. And like I said, you have to you have to build up that trust with everybody. Right. Employers, family, friends. So yeah. I could see people looking at me and saying, wow, he's doing great. But, you know, he hasn't quite proven himself yet, or there is a liability. Or there. they're going, how much longer until he relapses? Yes. And honestly, it's, it's crazy you say that, but that is true. People do yeah. say that. The thing is- And I mean that with great respect. No, 100%. But for the first time uh, in my life, I'm not lying. I'm not living the part. I'm not wearing that mask. Yeah. I, it's not, I know that I'm going to be all right. Yeah. And all I have to do is do- the things that I do every single day to stay sober, and I'm going to stay sober. Yeah. And those things are things I'm going to do every single day. Yeah. I have too much life to live, uh, you know, too much stuff to experience and, you know, too many people to bond with than to, to, not, to yeah. not stay sober every day. But, yeah, yeah, someone might think that. And, you know, it's unfortunate, but it is the reality of the situation. Sure. Yeah. If we take this way back, mm -hmm. who was William as a kid? William as a kid? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Honestly, uh, super nervous, neurotic, uh, always worried like the worst was going to happen. Um, Were you a big kid? I was a, so I was a, I was big, but then I was a late bloomer. 
So I was the biggest or, you know, one of the biggest people in my class. And then when we got to high school and everybody started sprouting up, I was still left behind. So for a while there, I got, I was 5'8 my sophomore year of high school. Okay. So I, I got, tall. it is pretty tall, yeah. but compared to where I'm at now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, I've always kind of been or was, you know, cause I do feel like I'm in a different place now for the first time in 33, 32, 33 years. Super neurotic, worried about everything, worried what people think about me, worried about this going wrong, worried about that. And and now it's uh, I really don't worry about that stuff. Mm. Um, that just takes so much energy out of me and puts such a toll on my mental health that uh, – and I, recovery has just helped me, you know, let a lot of that go. It just kind of takes a weight and it just comes off your back. Who did you want to be or what did you want to be? A wrestler. I told people, again, the act, I told people I was going to be a doctor because I wanted to be a doctor. I told people that. And I went to college and was pre-med um, and took the MCAT. But I was lying the whole time to everybody because I wanted to be a pro wrestler. And that's proven the day after I graduated college at Yankee Stadium with NYU. We, it was in the new Yankee Stadium. It was pretty cool. Yeah, that's great. The day after that, I went to Johnny Rod's school and, and started training. The day after you graduated? Yeah. Walked wow. into his office. And then how long after that till you made your debut? In in wrestling? Yeah. Man, I might have done like a referee gig the here. Big and there. referee. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. But uh my in ring debut in terms of a match, it was probably the easiest match ever for like put together. But uh maybe a few months later. Because Johnny Rod wow. saw yeah, Johnny Rod saw something in me and uh he thought maybe I had potential and I guess he was right, but he put me in a match pretty quickly. Well, you're seven feet tall, and you can't teach that. That's right. You can't teach that. You, can, you cannot teach that. Yeah. So being a big guy after you did bloom, did you look up to some of the other big men in wrestling? Yeah. Like who? I still do. <laughs> uh, Undertaker. Yeah. Kevin Nash, who I got to talk to yesterday, and always try to pick his brain. And, yeah. Uh, JBL, man, that's one that I always talk to, that, that I uh, People don't talk about that much, but he was huge inspiration on me, especially when mm. I got to FCW. Uh, he was, he's just, he works, he's, he's so, his work is just so solid. Uh, JBL is another guy, because especially because he's fleet of foot, man. He can move. He can. So for a big dude, he can move. And I feel like that's kind of what I thought about myself at the, at the time. Yeah. Yeah. So what were some of your favorite matches growing up? Oh, man. Uh, the clean, I mean, the, Austin and, and, and Bret Hart, WrestleMania 13, at Rosemont Horizon. That's Great a match. That's a classic. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to try and think of some obscure ones. <laughs> uh, WrestleMania 10, Owen and Bret. Um, let's see. Try and think of uh, – I want to think of – dude, you know what match I really – this is when I was in high school. Rey Mysterio and Kurt Angle opening up SummerSlam 2002. Oh. I used to always watch that match. That's a great match. That's how you start a fucking wow. pay-per-view, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Everybody's going to go watch that now. Dude, that was such an amazing match, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, there's so many Austin matches. Mick Foley, Undertaker. Uh, under, oh, under, Undertaker and Shawn Michaels, Hell in a Cell at Bad Blood, 97. That's amazing. And Undertaker and Bret Hart at SummerSlam that year. That's another one that... that uh, I feel like he hasn't talked about another. That's a classic. That is a man, all these are great matches. Yeah. <laughs> so when you're coming into wrestling, most people want to come in and be a single star, which you were. Yeah. And then they pair you with Enzo. You guys create lightning in a bottle. But at first, were you like, what are they doing? I don't want to be the tag team. I want to do I so when he came to his tryout in FCW, you know Enzo. <laughs> yeah. He rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Well, he's he could be loud and confident and brash and but he cut a promo on his tryout uh, that was incredible. And uh, I said, I hope they sign him because I want to do something with this guy. Mm. Yeah, because at the time I was looking to do more New York kind of character. And I said, I hope they sign this guy. And uh, they ended up signing him. Lo and behold, you know, came to FCW one morning and it says, like, who's going to start in the program the next week? And then Eric Arndt was named. And I was like, yes. So. <laughs> Um, when he got there, I immediately kind of buddied up with him and, uh, yeah, I, from the first time I saw him cut a promo, I was like, I want to do something with that guy. Did he want to do something with you? I think so. Okay. I think, Cause yeah, we were homies, man. Cause again, so, not everybody wants to be in a tag team. Yeah. Uh, I, maybe, maybe not. I'm sure as a kid, you know, he didn't think about being in a tag team, neither did I, but when yeah. I saw him, 
I wanted to be in the tag team with him, and I'd like to think that you know he wanted to be in the tag team. With well, him. I am. I mean, again, you guys created lightning in a bottle. Yeah, and it was like magical. Yeah, and then in NXT, you guys were you were so over. It was a good time, man. Yeah, I think uh, NXT was amazing for us, and uh, I think the fact that we never won the titles worked to our advantage because mm. I think the fans kind of felt like oh the people behind the curtain are screwing us because we and it made them cheer even more yeah so like um yeah i think the fact that we never won really in nxt kind of got us even more over and but they always gave us time to cut promos uh you know the writing team at nxt would always be like oh you have three minutes to cut a promo before the match that's all we wanted to is like just a little bit of promo time to kind of get our stuff over and it, it worked Time. How much of the opening promo that everybody knows, how much was that inspired by New Age Outlaws? A lot. We loved the New Age Outlaws formula, which was, you know, <laughs> Road Dog hits, pop, 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 and yep. Billy Gunn comes in at the end yep. with the suck it. And um, <laughs> yeah, that, that format was like, it, looked, it worked to perfection for that. Yeah. So we were like, and Billy Gunn was one of our coaches, and, and Road Dog worked for WB, and we got a chance to interact with him a lot. But yeah, the format was, I don't want to say stolen, but did, almost. <laughs> but did they kind of give you their blessing? Like, oh, this is a great idea. Run with it. Man, I don't know if we ever got their blessing to to use the format. Because uh, I don't think at the time we realized that we were, but when I look back at our old stuff, me and Enzo, and then I, if I watch like a 1998 New, <laughs> New, New Age Outlaws match, I'm yeah. like, we kind of did the same exact thing. They're they walking to the ring. This guy's this guy. This guy's this guy. Yeah, and, and usually it, it goes, you know, the Road Dog would get his ass beat. And, <laughs> and you know, Billy would come in, just start knocking people's heads off. And me and Enzo did the same thing. <laughs> Who actually scripted that, that famous promo? Man, it was. I think it came together over the course of a – so Soft was the first thing that got over it with NXT. That was in a dark segment with John Cena that it's got to be on the network somewhere. Yeah, but yeah. It was not even for television. It was me, Sandow, uh, Enzo, and Cena. And when we left the building that night, people kept yelling soft at me and Enzo, who were nobodies at this point. We hadn't even debuted on NXT. We were just guys that were working a dark match at the end of the night because Cena really liked Enzo's promo. Mm. Um, people were just yelling soft at us. And we're like, man, we might have something here. Yeah. And then, um, man, I, I can't remember exactly when the other pieces came together, but the soft we knew was was over or going to be over the second we left Full Sail that night. We're like, this is good. Let's talk about the night when you guys debuted on the main roster. Yeah. Let's talk about that pop. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we kind of figured we were going to get a really good reaction because of the, the, you know, the NXT crowd, you know, goes to the Raw the night after Mania. Like, yeah. They're very well versed in all of WWE's product. And, um, yeah, I think a lot of the people that had been with us in NXT knew the reaction we are going to get. And I think some other people really didn't think that we were going to get that big of a reaction. Yeah. Um, but me and Enzo knew. We, we knew, like, these pe the people that come to Raw the night after WrestleMania yeah. are the people that watch NXT. Yeah. And um, they're going to they're gonna... – I think they thought, like, it's been long enough. Come on, bring them up. So – and they left it for the end of the show too, so people might have been getting getting angry at home, like or in the building, like they're really not gonna, they're really not going to debut these guys. Are they kidding? They don't have the win now. They're not going to debut them. So I think it was segment thirteen, and finally, wow, massive, massive pop. It was. If I go back and watch it now, it still gives me goosebumps. I got goosebumps just thinking about it. Yeah, man, it was crazy. Did you guys think you'd be able to ride that wave of? I mean, the fans were so into you guys, both in NXT and the main roster. Yeah, did you think you'd be able to ride that wave? I think we were just having fun on the wave. Yeah. I, I, I okay. don't. I, I don't think we ever thought this is going to last. You know, X amount of months or years. We were just like, "What's the next town? Let's do it." And mm. we just. Kept, but the thing was, we worked so hard at our promos. Because we did, you know, give them the same shtick, as people might want to call it, every night. But the filler, we took a lot of pride in. And we'd get together in catering with our writer. And we would think all week about some clever lines and stuff. And I uh, I think that was, we didn't just take that, like the New Age Outlaws. There was always filler that was kind of the stuff that was unique to that yeah. night. Yeah, yeah. 
And uh, yeah, we took a lot of pride in, in those promos. So um, yeah, I don't think we thought it was going to last. We were just like, let's just keep busting our ass doing these promos, being creative, and we'll see what happens. So where did the idea for you guys to split up finally come around? I don't know. I, <laughs> I, I just know uh, like sometime in 2017 when they did the, the storyline with Enzo getting jumped. Originally, it wasn't, it, I, it wasn't supposed to be me, but then I, I don't know what happened. And then they kind of just went one mm. night, like the night we get the day we got to the building for the turn. Because me and Enzo thought it was either going to be this person or that group. And uh, maybe it was the week before they told us. That it was going to be you. Yeah. And were you like, oh. We were swerved. You're like, I guess I'm a heel now. Yeah. I, I was kind of cool with it. It's like, <laughs> I really want to be a heel. Yeah. Uh, and Enzo's a great baby face to work with. Sure. Because, you know, say what you want about his work, but he can take a hell of an ass kicking. Yeah. And he makes it look like he's getting crushed out there. So yeah. it's like, he's going to be great to work with because people are going to feel so bad for him. Yeah. Especially because I'm his best friend turn on him. So um, I was down for it, man. Did you think that at that point you guys would ever be reunited later on? Eventually. Yeah. Somewhere down the road. Uh, I, I thought, you know, because it was so good. Take some time off. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. You know, yeah. not us taking time off, but the the act and bring it back at a certain point in time. And here we go. Again. Sure. Yeah. Now, when Enzo got released, how much did that affect anything that you had going on with your run or your push? None. I was injured. I was uh, still uh, rehabbing my ACL at that time, so I'd been I'd been off TV for months at that point in time. So when he got released. I didn't come back for another two months, mm. so it didn't really affect anything with me um, because the last people saw of me before my injury was me and Enzo were not homies. Yeah. So they figured my stomach is grumbling. Wow, that was so loud. We probably heard that. Dude, it's, my it's, goodness. I haven't eaten this it's signing, signing, signing. Yeah, you're like coffee for lunch. Yeah, yeah. man. Oh, I needed it for the boost. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, didn't affect – I don't think that affected me at all because uh, I came back and immediately put me in program with Brian. Right. Yeah. I, I was surprised when you got let go. A lot of people were, but yeah. I, I did think it was justified. I was kind of a, it was a liability at that point in time. Sure. Talk about liabilities before. I was a huge liability, man. Yeah. Massive. It was, they didn't know what I was going to do next. So um, they made the right call, man. Like, of course, in the, the moment, I was bitter as hell. And, uh, sure, of course. But um, no, it was the right call, man. Like, uh, I wasn't surprised. At least they did it in person, too. Yeah, that was cool, man. I don't know what the reason was it for It could that. have been a phone call. It could have been a phone call, but it was a meeting with Vince. I was. And did they send you right to the airport right after that? Yeah. <laughs> so I met with Vince, and it was a really good conversation. Yeah. Very uh, productive and very um, focused on William and not Big Cass. Right. And, um, yeah, and then they got me a flight home. I drove to the airport from there and wow, yeah, flying home. How crazy was the G1 Supercard to be part of? That was crazy. That was out of control because, man, um, nobody knew. So I couldn't quite get into the process. I said, <laughs> there's eight guys in the match, okay? We're only going to be taking on two of them after the match. There's six other guys involved, very formidable wrestlers. That don't know that this is, you know, happening. We might get our asses handed to us by fucking eight people at once, you know? Yeah. And uh, oh, we'll be all right, man. As we're walking to the car, I was like, I don't know, man. This could go horribly wrong. Uh, but yeah, that was super nervous. And then when we went out there and did it, it was it felt amazing while we were out there. Didn't, they, didn't you guys like sneak in a back door? Like nobody knew. No, there was, I don't know if. Uh, six people in the world that know. including you and Enzo. Yeah. So yeah. we uh we were, got changed at a, a friend's office a few blocks nearby and we walked over to the building and then we sent a text to person X and they came down and got us and they put us in a, a room uh like a small room in the back where nobody could see us and then uh it was kind of helter skelter too cuz it was like you know <laughs> you know the queue make sure you go out then. So we're sitting there we're like Kind of no um, supervision, so we had to watch the screen in the room, and then we're like, "That's it." And then we went. Yeah. Were you like positive? Okay, that is it. Yeah, we because I that I was being neurotic, and I made sure I asked like a hundred times. So this, 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 
start walking out of the room towards the arena floor. Yes. Do you feel like there was legit heat on you guys after that? I think there was legit heat. I think that um, there was shock value. For sure. The heat, <laughs> to be honest with you, um, I think came from just them not knowing the fans. I think a lot of times the fans like to be smartened up and like to think, ah, I knew they were going to do that. But nobody fucking knew. So I think yeah. there was resentment from some fans, at least, that were like, they got us. They, they got us. Because no matter what anyone says now, 20,000 people in that building, and I don't know how many people watching at home, not one person that was watching at that time thought Enzo and Cass are going to hop the guardrail. And no, of course not. Right. So. And then when you guys did do it and they cut away like, yeah. this shouldn't be happening, everyone went, what is going on? It was a brilliant mind behind that. Yeah. Not gonna say who, but man, brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I, n- none of the like the boys were okay with this. No, I don't think so. <laughs> no, I, I don't think so. I think we did get a lot of heat with the boys, but I, I do think that the heat kind of transferred off of us um, towards you know people in charge because uh, I think Tom Tonga might have done an interview recently where he's like, he you know, they were doing yeah, they were they were doing what they were told, man. Like, well, I yeah. can't put heat on them. Like, maybe maybe we do still have heat for that, but. He, he's right. Like, we were just doing what we were told to do. I um, think Tomatonga and Enzo, because they've talked so much at each other, they should probably have a match. Probably. Yeah. I don't know, where can we book it? Uh, anywhere. Yeah. Like, everyone would want to see that match. Yeah, that'd be great. Like, people legitimately think they don't like each other, so let's make it happen. Well, do they? I don't know. Do they? I, <laughs> All right. I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, maybe. Yeah. I mean, Tomatonga is hard to read. Yeah, he is hard to read. He's a really nice guy, but at the same time, like when he's in the ring, yeah, man, yeah, he makes you think what he's doing is is he believes it. That's that's the, I think that's the intangible for wrestling is when a performer can make the people watching believe that they believe what they're doing is real. That was two years ago, almost to the day, April sixth of two thousand. Yeah, it's almost yeah. to the day. Almost to the day. Wow. Yeah. Lots happened for you in those two years. Oh, ups and downs, mostly downs, man. <laughs> no, but you're way up. Well, now right I'm now. on the rise, man. No, yeah. you're way up. Yeah, you are. I'm all the way up. <laughs> <laughs> are you looking to take more bookings? Is that the plan right now? So I'm you're open as, for bookings, taking as many as possible. Yeah. So if people want to book you, how do they do that? Go to my Twitter page, and there's an email there for my really, really good friend Doug Lawson. Uh, it says four bookings. Email him. Okay. Yeah, and he he handles everything. He. He knows all my dates, so like I've had people here ask me, "Are you free?" I'm like, "You have to talk, Doug, because I I gave him the green light. Uh, I told him I gave him dates. I said, "This is a wedding. This is the rehearsal. Whatever." I said, "Anything yeah. else? Book it up." Yeah. And he said, "You want me to just book anything that sounds good?" I said, "Yes." Yeah. So there's things that I don't even know what days I'm working. I just told him as much as possible. That's really good. Yeah, I want to get out there. And, and you were saying to me yesterday, you're in even better shape than those photos that we saw. Yeah. Because uh, after that, I just continued on the path I was on. So it just kept getting leaner and stronger. And um, I think, yeah, I'm in better. I think I'm in way better shape than I was in those those pictures. So what's a day look like for you right now, eating and with workouts? So I wake up, first thing I'll do is coffee, uh, empty stomach, immediately do cardio, which is usually interval training, which is inclined sprints or Usually inclined sprints is or the row machine is uh, my cardio. I'll do that for a half hour, come back, shower, relax, maybe eat a little something. And then later on in the day, you know, handle errands and stuff like that and hang out and handle work stuff and phone calls. Handle and the dogs. Handle the dogs. <laughs> Bam Bam's a lot of work, man. And then um, later in the day, go to the gym, which is usually I go to MI40 here in Tampa, which is a bodybuilding gym uh, owned by Ben Pekulski's, you know, Really great dude. He owns the gym. So, so what kind of split are you on in terms of body parts and what you're hitting every day or every week? Man, so I only do legs once a week, especially because I'm working on weekends and I don't want to mess my knees up. And I'm doing car like sprints. So once a week, I'll lift legs. Okay. And then uh, every other day will be a push or a pull day. And lately, because I want to have another show in Texas coming up in two weeks from today, I want to look like bulk but really kind of i don't know i have a look that i'm going for and i know that when i do 10 by 10 like german volume training 
for a few weeks, I look like that. So I'm doing 10 by 10 on every exercise now, which is only like two exercises a day. Cause 10 sets, 10 reps, 10 sets, 10 reps. So I'll do like 10 sets, 10 reps of bench and then 10 reps, 10 sets, 10 reps of uh, incline dumbbell bench. And that's chest. And, and then I leave. No, that's push. That's the whole push day. After that, oh, I'm gassed. Well, I would imagine that's yeah. a lot. And then back's a different thing. But every every time I work out, I'll do a different exercise for the push or the pull. Man. 10 by 10. So 20. Yeah, I'm doing 20 by 10 is my workout pretty much right now. You've got this great shirt that you're selling now that yeah. says straight at a step 12. That's right. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And the proceeds are going to a great cause. The Heron Project. So um, it's a nonprofit organization. Um uh, specializing in uh, recovery from addiction and, uh, they award scholarships for, um, you know, uh, for rehab because rehab super expensive insurance sometimes doesn't want to cover it. Sober living, uh, coaches through the recovery process. Um, and it's founded by Chris Heron. He had the 30 for 30 unguarded about yeah. him on ESPN. And, um, yeah, I was looking for a very good nonprofit that specializes in the addiction field. And, uh, I, uh, every time I watch that guy's 30 for 30, it just gets me super emotional. And, uh, I saw that he, what he was doing and it, it was exactly what I want. Cause I can't tell you how many times when I was in rehab or f around people from recovery where someone can't go an extra month in sober living cause insurance won't handle it or because they don't yeah. have enough money. And in that 30 days extra, that might be when something clicks for them. Yeah. And it's unfortunate cause they can't be there. So they award scholarships to people to do that and to go back to rehab or go into rehab the first time. It's amazing, amazing organization. So if someone wants to grab one of these shirts, where, they, where can they find it? Collarandelbowbrand.com. You buy them there. I was, I was wearing one earlier. Oh, oh, man. Right yeah, now. there it is. Yeah, <laughs> that website will have the VCAS Excel shirt, which is just straight out of step 12. Yeah. And uh, all the proceeds go to the Heron Project. I, I, I'm just, uh, your feet are gigantic, by the way. They're, yeah, not, they're not on camera here. How big are your feet? Size 16. Oh, that's it. Yeah. 16. Yeah, but not to mention, these these are great kicks. You should probably just kick your foot up there for a second. See that? There it is. Yeah. Varsity Carolina Blue threes. Oh, Matches your shirt. Yeah. I did yeah. that on purpose. I got some sort of style. You, know? you got some style. A little bit. Come on. Yeah. You and got the some style. Matches too, so. Top to bottom here. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Did we cover everything? How are you? <laughs> <laughs> this is not about me. Yeah. Uh, man, we, uh, yeah, we covered everything. Yeah. How are you? I'm doing great, man. You are doing great. Yeah, I'll talk forever, but yeah, we covered everything. Really proud of you, man. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. And I know everybody is really proud of you. Appreciate that. And you know what's, what's a new feeling, which is great, is I could say that about myself because for a long time I'd say I was proud of myself. And I didn't know what the hell that even meant. Just when I debuted, I was, yeah, I'm really proud of myself. I don't know what that means until recent, like past year, what being proud of yourself means. So, yeah, thank you very much. I end every interview talking about gratitude because gratitude is such a huge thing. Massive. I say, if you can be grateful, you can live a great life. So, what are three things in your life that you're grateful for right now? Um, <coughs> my girlfriend, Lexi, um, Tampa Bay and the wrestling business. There it is. Yeah. Thank you, brother. Thank you, man. This is great. Yeah, it was. Really appreciate it. It was I awesome. Appreciate you. Thank you, man. Oh, wow. What a conversation. You want to talk about insight. So much insight there. I think that one will definitely be in my top five interviews at the end of the year. I, I'm just so grateful for how open and honest and raw he was there. And it's so amazing to see how far he's come over the last year and a half. Can't wait to see what's next for him. Man, he looks like a million bucks. It's just a matter of time before we see him back on TV. And if I had to guess, this is just a guess, but I would think we see him back on TV before the year's over. Take a screenshot. Let us know what stood out for you the most from this conversation. Tag me at Chris Van Vliet, tag Cass. He's at the Kaz XL. And as Vince Lombardi famously said, the real glory is being knocked to your knees and then coming back. That's real glory. That's the essence of it. Be great. Be grateful, my friends. We will see you on the next one for some more insight. Have a great weekend. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. 
The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com